Well, good morning, Catalyst. How are y'all doing this morning? Everybody got time change Sunday okay? That's awesome. Um, as, uh, as your pastor, I feel the need to address something that's been going on in, in, uh, in, in life, basically, here in America and around the world. <clears throat> Excuse me. Apparently, the coronavirus got our, uh, got our screens there early. But, um, and, and speaking of, of coronavirus, I, I've done some exhaustive research, and I want to tell you guys what I've found about the coronavirus. Um, this, is, this is hours and hours and hours of study and pondering and prayer. So if you guys, I bold it down to this right here. So if you guys will um, check this out. scares you wash your hands if pandemics make you nervous wash your hands if an epidemic scares you well my friend I'm here to tell you that the flu is more apt to kill you wash your hands <clears throat> what is really amazing is that it seems whoa excuse me it seems like hand washing has is new to people that's what's scary, okay? Um, really, people, wash your hands, and I hope that you guys bought stocks because they're at bargain basement prices. Um, that's about all, and then carry on. So that's, as your pastor, I want to get that out of the way. All right, so my name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm really glad that you guys are here. Uh, we are in series, like Rob said, the Adventure Killers, What Kills a Great Spiritual Adventure. And we are in, I believe, part, five, part six. Wow, part six. Identity theft, and the main thing is the adventure never happens for those comfortable with spiritual compromise. That's what the main thing is. One of the remarkable things I saw in India on my first trip there um, was the willingness that people had to accept Christ, but preach a sermon, and 70, 80, 100 people would rush forward to become Christians and to be baptized. It was, a, it was amazing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Till we found out something we hadn't factored in. See, in India, it is a, it, it, the majority religion is Hindu. The culture is Hindu. And they're used to having millions of gods. And so people were very, very excited to accept Jesus Christ. But they just added him into their gods. Uh, they would put Jesus kind of up on a shelf with Shiva and um, uh, and, and all the other gods that they had in their household. And, and so I immediately thought, when I saw that, well, at least they're honest. Le at least they're honest. When they become a Christian, they're honest that they're not really planning on getting rid of all the other things that are competing for their heart. Not so here in America. It, it's, and the thing is, it's not so much the amount of spiritual compromise that bothers me. The division in our hearts. It's not that because um, it, it's the amount of comfort with that spiritual compromise that bothers me. Uh, the, the guys, there will always be spiritual compromise. Uh, no one can perfectly live out everything they say at all the time. <clears throat> That's why I always crack up when somebody says, there are too many hypocrites at church. Of course there are. I'm a hypocrite 
You're a hypocrite. There's only one person who wasn't a hypocrite when it came to the, to the Christian faith, and he was so good at it, they named him after it. And they named it after him. His name was Jesus. All right, someone says, oh, I'm not going to church. There are too many hypocrites. Just respond by saying, don't worry, there's always room for one more. Seriously. Uh, so, so like I said, it isn't the presence of spiritual compromise that bothers me. It's the comfort with that level of compromise that bothers me. Many Christians today see no problem whatsoever with praising God on Sunday morning and going home to a girlfriend and boyfriend they're living with. No problem. They're comfortable with it. Many Christians, they see no problem with their passion to feed the poor and serve the poor with their critical and complaining nature. Uh, many Christians today see no problem with their passion for study of the Bible. Man, they get really into the study of the Bible and their complete and utter lack of concern for evangelism and missions. See, uh, it's, it's like we've got what we like about Jesus up on the shelf with all the other things and we see no problem with it. A Barna study showed that 47% of practicing Christian millennials, the generation below me, I'm a Gen Xer, woohoo for all Gen Xers, nobody notices us, nobody cares about us, it's wonderful, um, but the millennials are a generation below us, if you're a Gen Xer, um, and 47% believe it is wrong to share their faith with, in, with the person hoping that they will become a Christian. 47% of people who are practicing Christians in the generation below me that, see, that, that think it's wrong to share your faith. You see a problem here. 47%. Guys, the adventure will never happen for people who are comfortable with spiritual compromise. Never will be. Spiritually compromised faith inspires no one motivates no one. And this is what I see in a great deal of people that call themselves Christians, the followers of Christ, are compromised, lukewarm, inoffensive to anyone version of Christianity has dulled their drive and, and made them, quite honestly, boring. It's nothing new. It's been around since the beginning. We've always had trouble with divided hearts. See, the word integrity, everybody say integrity. Integrity is the state of being whole and undivided. But Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Um, Joshua was the guy that took over the leadership of the nation of Israel after Moses. You know, Moses, let my people go, parting the Red Sea. After he died, his, 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 his second in command, Joshua, led the people. And as he was about to die, he said this to the Israelite people. He said, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day who you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That's what, that's what he said. Joshua's giving his farewell address. He told the nation to choose. He said you can't have both. You can't have both God and the, and the values of the people around you. You're going to have to choose. It's kind of like the people were wanting, they've got a glass of clean water and a glass of dirty water, and they're like, hey, let's just kind of mix them together so we get both. Well, what do you get when you mix clean water with dirty water? You get dirty water, right? It, 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 you have dirty water. 
And that's exactly what they were, that's exactly the state the nation of Israel's in. That's exactly the state that we're in right now. We want Jesus. We also want the things that people around us value. Um, he said, choose and stay with your choice. And there's, see guys, there's a full court press on you. If you're a Christian today, there's a full court press on you to get you to live out a compromised, lukewarm faith. And if you don't believe that, you haven't been around very long. To, to choose the Lord and not the values of the people around you is to incur the wrath of the social media mob. Believe me, I know. To stand for biblical principles when it comes to things like transgenderism or, or, or homosexual marriage will get you run out of town on a rail. If you don't believe that, give it a shot and see what happens to you. There's a full court press on you to get you to compromise your faith, to not be offensive, to just kind of coexist. And that means that you have to stop believing some of the things the Bible says. It's full court press. However, King David gives us his take with his prayer in Psalm 8611. Psalm 8611, teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart, he prays that I may fear your name. See, this is what I found, you guys. A compromised heart leads to spiritual paralysis. Everybody say spiritual paralysis. So paralysis. It, there are four things I found that if you have a compromised heart, you will be unable to do. You will be paralyzed. The first thing is this. You'll be unable to speak truth to culture. See, the, the, the church has always spoken truth to culture. The church has always been the conscious of a society. It's the one that calls a culture back to the truth, back to God, and we have to speak truth to culture. But if you are have a compromised heart, and your, your spiritual paralysis will stop you from being able to do that. Richard Wormbrand was a pastor in Romania when the communists took over. And he was at a meeting. The Communist Party had a meeting of all pastors trying to get the church to, to, uh, to get on board with them because they knew it was a powerful force in Romanian society. And pastor after pastor after pastor got up and told that, that the communist country, the communist uh, dictatorship, and the church could coexist, that the Communist Party was doing the work of God. And Richard Wormbrand and his wife were sitting there, and his wife looked and said, Richard, do something. And he said this. He said, if I stand up, you're going to lose your husband. To which his wife replied, I have no desire to be married to a coward. And as his turn came up, he stood up and he spoke truth. He spoke truth that, the, that, that this was not God's will, that the execution squads and the jailing of political, political prisoners and everything was not God's will for Romania. Two days later, he was kidnapped and spent 14 years in a prison. His, his testimony, Tortured for Christ, will tell you that if you want to read it. Out of Richard Wormbrand's uh, story came the voice of the martyrs. It's a very popular thing, standing up for the persecuted church. But what was, what was more telling was the pastors that stood up and extolled the virtues of communism. You know what happened to them? They were unable to win converts because as their neighbors were being arrested and carted away by the secret police, the pastors who had stood up and supported this were unable to speak the name of Jesus because no one was listening. They had thrown their support behind the ungodly and no one 
was coming to Christ. The second thing, the first thing, you will be unable to speak truth, truth to culture if you're compromised. The second thing is that you will be unable to conquer sin in your life. You'll be unable to conquer sin in your life. One of the troubling things about being comfortable with compromise is that you see no need for change. No need for change. Jesus didn't arrive here from heaven to keep us as we are. You all know that? There's a really troubling thing that, that, that I hear in American society is that you've heard it too. Jesus came to hang out with sinners, right? Oh, man, Jesus hung out with sinners. Well, yes, but he hung out with sinners the same way a heart surgeon hangs out with heart attack victims. Okay? He wasn't there to hang out. He was there to save. He was there to challenge. He was there to call people back from their sin so that they're radically surrendered to him. That he wasn't there to hang out. He was there to save them. The gospel of Jesus Christ challenges us, you all. It calls us to surrender our lives, to look at the areas of our lives that are not under the, 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 the leadership of the Holy Spirit and to surrender them, to change. The call of Jesus Christ is a call to die, to come to the foot of the cross and die, to leave your life there and be made new in the image of Jesus Christ. And when we are spiritually compromised, we continue to live in our self-destructive sin evil ways that's what happens when we're spiritually compromised and I see a terrible thing happening with that y'all this gets me fired up because I see this all the time it is so frustrating as a pastor you want to know what my biggest frustration is I'll tell you it's when people allow their sin to become their identity okay you've heard it a million times that's just the way I am right I'm an angry person. You heard that? You heard that one? I've heard that one. I've heard that a lot. I'm an anxious person. I'm a fearful person. I'm a worrier. I'm an addict. That's just the way I am. And people become comfortable with their compromise, and their compromise becomes their identity until you cannot even imagine yourself any different. And when your sin becomes your identity, you'll see no need for, for Jesus to take it from you. When you're comfortable with spiritual compromise, you'll be unable to conquer sin in your life. You'll be, begin believing that your sin is who you are, and nothing could be further from the truth. You are not your sin. You are a child of God who's been redeemed from your sin. Understand? It's about time we start living like it. He, you are God's creation. You're the one that Jesus left the 99 to go find. When Jesus is a heart surgeon, he is here to save you. Can you imagine a heart surgeon going up to a person who's having a heart attack and saying, oh, dude, no judgment. Man, it's all good. Man, no judgment. I'm, I'm, I'm just here. I'm, I'm just here to hang out with you. Matter of fact, I think I need to have a heart attack so I can identify it with you. That's exactly what people think Jesus does. It's ridiculous. We don't need someone to hang out with us. We need a Savior to save us from our sin, amen? That's what we need. That's what, all, what we all need. He's here to deliver you from your sin. Do you think that Jesus is not powerful enough to save you from your sin? Do you think that you can out the grace of God, that somehow you're a unique case, that God, Jesus has never seen what you're going through before? Do you really think that? Uh-uh. My Bible tells me that Jesus is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. 
It's us that are comfortable with the compromise. We're stopping the power of Jesus in our lives. Third thing we'll be unable to do, we'll be unable to share our faith with others. If we are comfortable with compromise, we'll be unable to share our faith with others. All right, I've heard it a million times. I've heard this, hey, 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 don't follow me. Don't, don't, don't follow me. I, I, don't follow me. Follow Jesus, but don't follow me. Don't follow my example. I am, I am so messed up. I am so flawed. Don't follow me. Y'all heard that, right? You know that that's unbiblical? The apostle Paul, who was a man, a human being, like us, said in 1 Corinthians 4.16, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's what he said. He called the people that, he was fought, that, 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 were, that looked up to him to follow his example. But if you're com- comfortable with spiritual compromise, you look at your life and you realize, I got nothing to share. I got nothing to share. You know, because you've got the same sin in your life, the same issues, same, same stuff, same unchanged beliefs and attitudes as the people you'd be trying to save, right? And you got nothing for them. All right? Literally look at the world and say, I got nothing for you. Jesus really hadn't delivered me from much, so how can he deliver you? You know, a, a starving person without any food doesn't really have much to offer another starving person without food, right? See, that's what happens when we are spiritually comfortable. We're comfortable spiritual compromise. We got nothing to share with the world. Spiritual compromise will lead you to spiritual paralysis. You won't truly believe you have anything to offer. You have, your life, you got nothing to offer in unbelie- the unbelieving world. Fourth thing is you'll be unable to pursue your calling. Spiritually compromised faith. Spiritually compromised heart. I have no desire to do anything other than play it safe. Because in order to really trust Jesus, to really, you have to believe in his power. And if you're spiritually compromised, you don't really believe in his power. Those are four things that, were, that, that spiritual paralysis, a compromised heart will stop you from doing. I found that. I found that in the church. I found that in my life. The second thing, the third thing, that compromised heart will destroy your example to your family. This is, this is a big one, you guys. This is a big one. Okay, Romans 2, 21 through 24 I want to speak to the, to the leaders of family, you're, you, whoever's a leader of a family. If you're a single person, you're a leader of a family. You got your family, you. You are your family, but you're the leader of it. If you're a mom or a dad, you're the leader of a family. If you're grandparents, you're a leader of a family. Those of you that are, that are, that are married without kids, you're leader, you are leaders of a family. All right? So this is for everybody. When Paul writes this, you then who teach others, do you teach, not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who have abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. I want to I kind of make that personal, if you all let me. Let me restate that last line. God's name is blaspheming among my family because of you or because of me. God's name is blasphemed among my family because of me. So many of my kids' generation have left the church. My kids are 20, 18, 13. So many of them, the generation have left the church. Many of them did the Christian school thing. Many did the homeschool thing, did the youth group thing. They did the mission trips and the CIYs and the youth groups and the Sunday schools and the whole thing. But they never saw their parents serve the poor. Never heard their parents talk about Christ around the dinner table. 
Never heard dad pray before the meal in a restaurant or, or before bedtime? Problem is that there's a law out there identified in the Bible, you all. It's called the law of sowing and reaping. And it goes something like this. We reap what we sow. It's in the Bible. We always reap what we sow. Christians may be the only people I know that plant apple seeds and are surprised when an apple tree pops up. Seriously. Cheat on our taxes and we're surprised that our kids cheat in school. Uh, talk disrespectfully to our wives, men, and we're surprised when our kids do too. We reap what we sow. You hear you, if your kids hear you make off-color comments about cheerleaders at a football game, and all of a sudden we're surprised when our daughters allow boys to walk all over them and our sons treat women badly. We reap what we sow. If you sow lukewarmness into your family, church is something we do every now and then when there isn't something better to do or when the time doesn't change. And we, grow, and we are surprised that our kids grow up and leave the church. It's the law of sowing and reaping. If we, re, if we sow compromise into our families, we shouldn't be surprised when compromise grows up. It's a law, sowing and reaping. So the first step, you guys, first step is to stop sowing compromise. Take a good look at what you really are sowing into your family. Take a good look at the example you are sowing into your family. We have a lot of little, we have a lot of children. I don't know if you know this or not, but I think it, 25 to 30 percent of our church, maybe more, is under the age of 18. A lot of children in this, and in, in, in a lot of young people in this church. God, I, I, God has sent them to us, and, I, and I'm so glad. Well, what are we sowing into this next generation? You don't want to know why 47 percent of millennials believe it is wrong to share your faith? Do you know why? It's not because of college and because of media. It's because they never saw their parents take it seriously. They never saw their parents sharing their faith with somebody. They never heard the name Jesus spoken outside of church. And so they have, they have no idea why we should share our faith. Because we are reaping what we've sown. Don't be surprised when what you plant grows up. So we have to stop sowing lukewarmness. We have to stop sowing compromise into our families and begin to lead with an undivided heart. Lead our families with an undivided heart. Yes, Jesus will deliver you from your sin. Yes, he will. But you will always reap what you plant. Always. So take a look at what you're sowing into your family, into your life, because it's going to grow. Compromised heart not only will destroy, uh, destroy the witness to your families, It'll destroy the work of the church. It'll destroy the work of the church. I'm a pastor. I believe so strongly in the work of the church. I believe that the church is the hope of the world, that there is no hope outside of what the church is able to preach. 
which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the hope of the world, and the church is his vessel to communicate that to the world. And if we have a compromised heart, we, we have divided hearts in what we believe, we will be unable to do the work that Jesus wants us to do. Luke 14, 31 through 33, this is what I see. Jesus, is, Jesus says this, suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he'll send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. What I see the church has done with culture is this, is that, hey, we can't beat you, so we're just going to sue for terms of peace. We can't, you know, we, we can't handle it, so we're just going to sue for terms of peace. Now, when a, the, the, the king who, is, who, who sues for peace who sends a turn for a treat, does that, does that king get anything that he wants? No. He doesn't get anything. The, per, the, the king that would win says, okay, well, you're going to do this and this and this and this and this, and we won't kill you, right? Coming to the bargaining table as the weaker thing, you don't get anything, do you? Well, that's what the church has done. Church has decided we just don't want criticism, we want to fit in. We want to be peaceful. We don't want arguments. We don't want to have to stand for anything. We're tired of, of, of them thinking that we're this or that or the other, so we're just going to sue for terms of peace. We are just going to back up. We're going to compromise. We're not going to get in your way. We just want peace. And I see that. I see that. So many, so many of my friends I went to seminary with are leading compromised churches that can't, that, that, that can't win a convert, that can't influence their, their neighborhoods, can't influence their, the towns they're in that they're called to serve, can't do it because they're compromised. They don't stand for anything. And they've just made peace with the fact that we're just going to do our little church thing. We're not going to make any converts. We're not going to be involved in ministry. We're not going to speak truth to what is right and what is wrong. We're not going to have a voice at the table. We're just going to sit back. We're suing for peace. We just don't want to make waves. And the work of the church has stopped because of that. See, 1 Kings 18.21, Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. How long will we have a divided heart, church? How long will we waver between two opinions? If God is God, let's follow him and his word. If he's not, then let's, not, let's just close the doors and not ever meet here again. But let's choose who we are and what we stand for if you are a Christ follower. That's what he said. The adventure never happens for those comfortable spiritual compromise because you're rendered paralyzed so here's here's some things that i want to suggest because i don't want to compromise heart i don't want a compromised family i don't want to compromise church so here's some things that i say we make decision on and we don't look back this is who we are we can do no other first found in first uncompromised first corinthians 15 3 through 4 Paul says this, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. First importance. If we can't get this right, nothing else works. 
that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. We stand on that, that we believe Jesus Christ, born, crucified, buried, resurrected. That's who we are as people. We can believe nothing else. Second thing is that is we believe Ezekiel eleven nineteen. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. A heart of stone cannot be worked. A heart of flesh can be molded and made. We, we, not only do we stand on the promise of Jesus Christ, second, we have undivided hearts before him. That's what we are. Third, uncompromised, Ephesians 5, 15 through 16. We believe this, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So not only do we stand on Jesus Christ with an undivided heart, but we make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We will not make any agreements, we will not make any compromises with that which is not of God. That's who we are. So Psalm 86, 11, teach me your way, Lord, that I may stand, rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Because when you decide who you are and you're undivided in your, in your heart and you are uncompromised in your faith, all of a sudden God calls you to the adventure. I want to invite the band to come on back up. I don't know if you guys know the significance of March 8th. Today's March 8th. You guys know what today is? Today is the 12-year anniversary of our very first service here at Catalyst Christian Church. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that we're here is proof of the existence of God, believe me. We started at East Jessamine High School, had our launch March 8, 2008. Everything was against us. I had never been a senior minister before. Didn't know what I was doing. Still don't. None of us had ever planted a church before. We didn't know what we were doing. Still don't. The economy had just dropped into the tank. Anybody remember 2008? Gas prices, $4.20 a gallon. Stock 401ks became 201ks. Yeah. Yeah. Economy was terrible, depressed. We had no money, none at all. We had no support, only a dream. Only a dream from God and a belief in his power, an uncompromised belief that this was the will of God. All we had. And through the discouragement, through the struggles, through the criticism, through the seemingly abandonment of times. I remember telling John Kelly one time, I feel like the Holy Spirit has left us. And yet here we are. Because when you have an uncompromised heart before God, an uncompromised belief in his calling and his purpose for you, then he sends you on the adventure. I never thought 12 years later that we would be here in the heart of Nicholsville. 
downtown. We'd be smack in the center of town. That we would have ministry in India, Nepal, Jamaica, Kenya, uh, Haiti, Portland, Oregon. That we would have ministry in jails. That we would have foster children and adoptive children rescued from homes, part of this church. I had no idea that most of you would be my church family. No idea the adventure that God would send us on, and yet here we are. I had no idea. And I'm telling you, an undivided heart primes you for the adventure, for the calling that God has put you on, has given you. You are not here by accident. You are not here by chance. God put you here for a reason. He took 23 chromosomes from your mother, 23 chromosomes from your father, welded them together, and made you because he has a purpose for you. And when you have an uncompromised heart, you are free to go after that calling and to live the dream that God gives every person. That's what happens when you have an uncompromised, undivided heart. So maybe your prayer this morning doesn't need to be, Lord, save me, although I hope that that happens. Maybe your prayer this morning needs to say, Lord, like the people in India, I have you and a whole bunch of other gods, a whole bunch of other values that aren't of you on the shelf in my heart, and I need to forsake them. I need to have an undivided heart. I've got to stop giving my loyalty to these things that are not of you because I want to fit in, because I want to be nice, because I want to be cool, because I want to be accepted. I need to get rid of those, and I need to have an undivided heart before you. If you do not have an undivided heart before God this morning, I'm asking you to allow God to do more than hang out with you, to allow him to do heart surgery on you. I'm going to ask you to do that. We're going to be quiet before God, before the holiness of God, and be quiet before him right now. And I'm going to ask you, if you do not have an undivided heart before God this morning, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and say, Lord, give me an undivided heart like David said in Psalm 86, 11.